Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special pop-up edition of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I am here with my co-host, sister, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. You're going to be so glad you're joining us today. <laughs> so freaking glad. And I need to apologize for my appearance. I uh, just have one of those days when it takes a long time to do everything. So wet hair, no makeup, but you know what? I'm here for it. Oh. It's all good. You're here. That's all I'm that here. matters. And uh, I've been chuckling all afternoon about what we're going to share with you guys. Yeah. You uh, Daybell Vallow case fans, <laughs> in for a real treat. Prepare yourself, because this is going to be great. We decided to do this as a pop-up because we already have our cases this week planned out. And yeah. this is a standalone show. It can't just be in case <laughs> updates, because it's his own ball of wax. Oh, it really is. So, <laughs> it really, really is. As we know, a few weeks ago, little Marky Means threw out a big brief with the court with some yes. huge allegations and demands. And basically, he was saying that one of the counselors where Lori is being treated for her insanity situation is uh, has given her bad advice told her that she should call the Mormon church and ask for help with her case. The church, that's, like. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what a, he says. A very large entity. I don't know. You know, like. Then he says that she called a law firm. He says that she called the church headquarters. She did not. She called a law firm in Utah, in Salt Lake City, called Curtin McConkie. And it is true that the McConkie family have been attorneys that have represented the LDS Church for a long time. Mm -hmm. Very well is, known for them. Mm -hmm. And he's very specifically gone after one of the McConkies that works there and said that Lori called him, told him all kinds of, hi, Allison, told him all kinds of, you know, details about her case that uh, are prejudicial to her and that then he called the prosecutor's office and told them everything she said, which is just not true. He even <laughs> said that wasn't true, but then he said that that is what happened, you know, because right. in Mark's mind, everyone is conspiring against him at all times. Yes. This had very little to do with his client. This was about their being mean to me. Yes. Yeah. Because As usual. Then when supposedly Mr. McConkie called the prosecutor and spilled his guts, then the prosecutor called his co-counsel Jim Archibald and didn't call him. Well, there's a reason for that. A, nobody likes Mark Means. B, <laughs> the co-counsel is the state. I kind of love him just because of what he gives us. So. Good radio. He gives us great material, man. Uh, he, at any rate, he apparently, he claims that the prosecutor called Jim Archibald, his co-counsel, who is the state-appointed death penalty certified attorney on the case and the lead attorney on the case you know, for that reason. First chair of this case. <laughs> and let him know what happened. Mr. Archibald then called Mr. McConkie just to verify. Okay, so these are the things that we know happened. But then Mark went further from there and kind of tried to blow it into something that, uh, you know, that Lori spilled her guts and all these things have been said. 
And basically, he's calling for a big investigation into the uh You can't take ideas. that last name serious. Is it McConkey? Do you mean McConkey? McConkey. That is a funny yeah. last name. Uh anyway, so he's calling for a big investigation into his client's rights. He wanted the health and welfare Idaho Health and Welfare to be removed from her case. He wanted Idaho Health and Welfare, you know. All of them. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Again, like, I don't think this man understands. Like He doesn't. We'll see. Uh, of course, he wants, uh, yet again, he wants sanctions against the prosecutor for Brady violations. And he wants uh, a subpoena, an out-of-state subpoena for Mr. McConkey to make him spill his guts about what was really said. And he alleged in his brief that the LDS Church, Idaho Health and Welfare, and the prosecutor's office are conspiring together against his client. Yes, this is all a giant conspiracy, don't you know? Now consider the breadth of those allegations. And the receipts he showed up with were Lori said so. That's it. All he knows is what Lori told him happened. Right. And then, of course, and yet there is no actual like affidavit of what she said. There's no No. documentation of what she said. This is all hearsay. Every bit of it is hearsay on his part, Mm -hmm. making big, huge assumptions and asserting them all to be true and correct. Right. And that everybody did bad and wrong and illegal things and he's going to get them all. Yeah. Well, McConkie's office promptly responded and said, Lori Vallow did call our office. We let her know that we would be unable to help her and told her that if she had a concern to call the Idaho State Bar. Then we let the prosecutor's office know as a professional courtesy that that phone call had happened. That was it. The phone call that McConkie's office made, not McConkie himself, but his office, made to the prosecutor's office lasted less than one minute. Yeah, and it was just like a secretary, uh, a somebody, it wasn't the attorney himself. No, it was just someone saying, hey, my boss said to tell you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that was it. That was the whole thing. So we've been waiting. Of course, initially, there was a quick response from the prosecutor's office that we're going to respond to this appropriately and through the courts rather than in the media. Right. Because here's the other thing, guys. Court TV reported on this the night before it was filed with the courts. Yeah. Which means that that brief was leaked to them by who? Do you suppose? Well, Mark means. We all know it is. Come on. He's been leaking stuff all along. He keeps doing this. He keeps leaking stuff. And they brought him on at one point as an expert witness, uh, which is so ironic considering that this is his first felony case ever. I've never really thought a lot of court TV. And now I think even less if they think Mark Means is an expert witness in Anything. Right. I shouldn't have said expert witness, actually. An expert uh, opinion. An oh, expert, expert opinion. opinion. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. similar. So anyway, yesterday, late afternoon, the prosecutor's office fired back. They filed a six-page brief with the courts. It is scorching. If Mark Means wasn't already bald, he would be now because oh. that would have burned all the hair off his head. Dude. Somebody needs to call 911. It is the most <laughs> scathing takedown. There's a fire burning in Mark's office. I'm telling oh. you what, Rob Wood has had enough of this mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's had enough for a while, but he mm-hmm. tends to hold his uh, hold his tongue 
oh, no more, no more. Well, one thing that we've seen repeatedly with this attorney is that he continually does things uh, that don't go by the book as if he doesn't really know the law. And the (laughs) prosecutor has had to repeatedly uh, repair that, you know, or, or point things out in court or whatnot and say, wait a second, that's not even the law. Here's how you do this. Yeah. I mean, this goes clear back to when Lori was first incarcerated at Madison and a couple of their conversations ended up getting reported because Mark was doing it wrong because he didn't know how to talk on the phone with a client right. because he doesn't know what he's doing. No, so anyway. he tried to get her bail lowered. He didn't know how to do that. He did it all wrong. Like yeah. from the beginning, he is, he is a civil attorney. He does not know how to do uh, this um, criminal stuff. And he's just proven it over and over and over again. And he's just adamant that he is going to remain on this case no matter what. Well, and his ego and desire to take down the prosecutor is really overweighing or outweighing his uh, good sense, if he has any, yeah. and really getting in the way of him doing his job because well, yeah, he's it's constantly way more on about, the lookout. Right. Well, and it's something. way more about taking him down than it is about defending Lori Vallow. Like, mm-hmm. come on. I mean, you're supposed to be defending her. Not getting in a big fight with, well, um, I don't know, maybe hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people, considering that the entire Mormon church is now has been affronted by this guy. Yeah, (laughs) that part just kills me. Yeah, (laughs) it's insane. It makes no sense at all. No, but fine, because uh, we're here for it. So we decided that we wanted Mm -hmm. to just read you the brief. Because it's just too damn good. We can't even put those words. We can't even do it. Right. Right. Holly, if she's competent, then he breached her confidentiality. And if she isn't competent, she can't defend herself. Or right. she isn't competent. Right. He's trying to have it both ways. And the prosecutor mm-hmm. points that out, too. Yes. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and share the brief. I'm sure we will pop in with some uh, commentary along the way. Because, you guys, this is funny as hell. Oh. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just read the very the start of it. Uh, the state of Idaho hereby responds and objects to the defense counsel Mark Means declared motions RE1 motion for the state to dis- disclose Brady violations disclosures, two motion for criminal depositions, three motion for out of state subpoenas, four motion to disqualify Idaho Health and Welfare herein after declared motion. The state's response is based on the following grounds and arguments. One, the declared motion for the state to disclose Brady violation disclosures mischaracterizes the law, misstates facts and or other communications, and fundamentally is not supported by law or fact. Damn those laws and facts. Oh, you mean Mark Means can't just say whatever he wants and it's true? It's bananas. Brady material is material or evidence in the possession of the state that is potentially exculpatory or tends to negate the guilt of a person charged with a crime. The concept of Brady material derives from the U.S. Supreme Court case Brady v. Maryland, 1963. In Brady v. Maryland, the United States Supreme Court held that the suppression by the prosecution of evidence favorable to an accused upon request violates due process 
where the evidence is material either to guilt or punishment, irresponsive of the good faith or bad faith of the prosecution. Brady holds that prosecutors must disclose Brady material. In other words, if the state has received any kind of material, any kind of evidence or proof that would help Lori, they have to turn that over. They have to turn that over. Right. <laughs> That's the law. Okay. That uh, is so, the law, but what does that have to do with anything Mark Means is doing? But Lori calling, and let's pretend she did, even though I don't think any of this really happened the way it's been stated, but even if she did call McConkie and spill her guts about all of her problems, and then he called and told the prosecution that, how is that evidence that would help his client? It's actually evidence it's that would not. hurt his client, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'll finish this argument. The declared motion requests that the state requires is required to turn over Brady violation disclosures regarding comments made by Lori Vallow Daybell to Daniel McConkie, an attorney at Curtin McConkie. The request is misplaced. The declaration motion appears to create the label Brady violation disclosure or so named item. Yet the motion fails to define the item and to supply a legal basis for such a legal categorization. The state is left to surmise or speculate that the declared motion's intent was to argue statements made by the defendant Lori Vallow to an attorney not associated with this case or the prosecution are somehow Brady violation disclosures. There is no authority for... <laughs> yep. They've there made is... it happen. Yep. I know. He's contagious. Mm -hmm. there, <laughs> there is no authority for such an argument or legal conclusion. Statements of Lori Vallow Daybell to a third party are not associated with the state, are not in possession of the state, and are in no way Brady material as defined by the United States Supreme Court. Further, while the prosecution does have a duty to turn over any statements of the defendant in its possession, such statements cannot be Brady material if they are already known to the defendant. Incriminating <laughs> statements made by the defendant to third parties are not, per se, Brady material. The state is not in possession of those statements, other than what the state disclosed to the defense counsel and the court. Further, those statements were not made to a state actor such as the police or the prosecution. In other words, it doesn't matter what she said to somebody else. Right. And um, she can't make Brady violations against her own case because she would already then know what she said. Right. <laughs> the request for Brady violation disclosures shows a misinterpretation of the legal definition, that's being generous, mm -hmm. and concepts underpinning Brady material. Based on the rest of the motion, the most charitable interpretation, <laughs> <laughs> the most charitable, yeah. oh, Rob Wood, mm -hmm. the most charitable interpretation of what the declared motion requests is for the state to produce any statements made by Lori Vallow Daybell to Daniel McConkie, which are self-incriminating. The state does not have in its possession or control any statements. The state has already disclosed statements made by Lori Vallow Daybell within its possession or control. Mr. Means can obtain the statements he is referring to by simply asking his client what statements she made. 
Mark, you've screwed up. You were just supposed to ask her. You weren't supposed to ask the prosecutor who didn't even talk to her. Guess what? Further, the <laughs> declared motion makes clear that Mr. McConkie was willing to speak with Mr. Means' co-counsel, Jim Archibald. The information and statements being sought by Mr. Means are simply not within the state's possession and control and therefore not discoverable through the state. Mr. Means can contact the individuals he claims that have a, alleged information to gather that information. Nothing about the unvalidated, unsupported assertions <laughs> have a true connection to the actual application of Brady versus Maryland. The apparent attempt to significantly extend the legal concept of Brady material to cover potentially incriminating statements made by Lori Vallow Daybell to an independent third party and not in possession of the state is unsupported by the law. Because he obviously has no idea. This is like the third mm -hmm. time he's tried Brady violations. Yeah, and he, it'll be the third time he loses on them because he obviously doesn't even know what it means. Right. I mean, well, I think from what he's done in the past, I think that he thinks that it is some kind of constitutional vi a violation of her constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. pretty much as far as he knows. Yeah. So he just keeps using it in different situations in which it never applies. Totally. Well, yeah. he strikes me as a man who, if he thinks something is true, case closed, it has to be true. Right. Of course. You know, mm -hmm. he's, you know, whatever he learned in law school, be gone. He doesn't care. No. He wants to also, uh, you know, manipulate the judge into rewriting the law. And this judge has been extremely hesitant to do anything of the sort. Right. Well, there's not any necessity for that. No. All of this crap that Means brings up has literally nothing to do with this actual case. Totally. The public manner in which Mr. Means requests this outlined material is concerning, as it appears he intends to publicize statements he believes were made by his client. At this right. time, the defendant, Lori Daybell, Vallow Daybell, is deemed by the court incompetent and cannot make an informed consent to her private statements being made public. If Vallow Daybell did indeed make incriminating statements, it is alarming that Mr. Means is objecting to sealing this matter. The potential for harm to Vallow Daybell from publicizing such statements is high and could also be extremely harmful to Mr. Means's former client, Chad Daybell, nice touch. Who Super is nice touch. He brings that in several times. Mm -hmm. Who is a co-defendant and alleged co-conspirator in this matter. It is noteworthy that Vallow Daybell's court-appointed death sentence qualified public defender has not joined this motion. <laughs> <laughs> Can you Boom. imagine the squealing that must have come out of Mark when he heard when he read that? Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We may have to. That's a really long title for Mr. Archibald, but we may have to adopt it. Right. <laughs> death sentence qualified public defender. <laughs> court appointed death oh, court sentence appointed. qualified public Ooh, defender. Jim yeah. Archibald. Yes. There we go. <laughs> okay. Take it away. Part All two. right. The declared motion for criminal deposition and out-of-state subpoenas is not supported by law or fact. Hmm. I see it. Or fact. Here. And that fact. It just yes. keeps coming in. 
Idaho Criminal Rule 15 is the sole authority for and governs the taking of depositions in a criminal case. It reads, at any time after the filing of the complaint, indictment or information, and on notice to all parties, a party may move that a prospective witness can be deposed in order to preserve testimony for trial. The court may grant the motion if the testimony of the witness is material and is necessary to take the deposition of the witness in order to prevent a failure of justice. Rule so, 15. Just to qualify that. Hi, Christy. Yeah. Just think about the Billy Shamir Mir case that we just right, covered. Exactly. Right, exactly. It's exactly what happened in one the, of the victims. Case. Yes, one of the victims that he attacked was the one that lived was 91 or 92 and 93 93 and so they deposed her and mm -hmm. took record of her statements because they were concerned that she may not be living by the time Shamir Mir went to court and they were right right she was their star witness and she has died but they yeah. used her deposition in court now of course that came back as a hung jury and we'll be going back to trial so yeah. it's not maybe the best example but it's one we just saw recently well but that was not a hung jury because of that testimony though no. No. Um, rule 15 exists to preserve a material testimony, not, a, not as a discovery tool. It has long been held in Idaho, and even a cursory review of case law establishes that Rule 15 exists for situations where a witness will be unavailable for trial. For example, a material witness who has a terminal illness, like being 93. Um, in State versus Filson, the Idaho Supreme Court denied the defendant's motion to depose the victim, stating, from the record before this court, there is no showing whatsoever that the prosecutrix would be unable to attend the trial, that is the person being prosecuted is what that means. Without such a showing, there is no grounds upon which to grant the motion and the court did not err in refusing to allow it. The declared motion fails to provide any factual basis whatsoever to suggest that any of the individuals listed are witnesses in this case in any capacity. And the list he listed was long. Uh -huh. It fails to provide any factual basis as to why any of their testimony would be material and how their depositions would be necessary to prevent a failure of justice. Further, even if any of the individuals, organizations, or organizations listed were witnesses, the declared motion makes no showing whatsoever of their unavailability for trial. The request in the declared motion for out-of-state subpoenas is procedurally defective. <laughs> a court Where did we in hear Idaho, that yeah, a court in Idaho cannot simply grant an out-of-state subpoena if Mr. Means was to wants to serve a subpoena in another state, he must first acquire a subpoena signed by the court or the clerk of the court pursuant to ICR 17, and then domesticate said subpoena in what whichever state he wishes to have it served. The law and rules in Idaho are clear on the manner in which to obtain process, um, in which to obtain process enforceable in other states. The request in the declared motion fails to follow Idaho law and must be denied. I mean, he's really just saying, like, look, if you yeah. want to do that, there's a way to do it, but this yeah. ain't it. Right. <laughs> like, come that's on, up to man. you. But demanding that all of these people uh, 
be depositions put in place makes no sense because they're not even witnesses that have anything to do with this case. See, right. Means is trying to create like a sub case here, you know, where and and the prosecutor is going, no, this is the case. You right. might not like what happened here, but it has nothing to do with the actual case itself. Right. Depositions are totally uncalled for. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Let's stop for one second. We've had quite a few people join. Yeah. So we are reading the response. This is in the Daybell Vallow case. This is the prosecution's response to a bunch of accusations that Mark Means has made in the last few weeks. We've talked a lot about them here on the show. This is the prosecution's sick burn epic takedown of Mark Means. And so that's what sick we're burn. reading. So if you did yeah. just come in and you've missed part of it, you know, of course, this will be posted after the fact because we're live right now, mm -hmm. but it'll be posted after the fact so that you can go find it. Yeah. Yeah. Woods <laughs> yes. is basically teaching a class every time he responds to me. He is. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, all you had to do was, I don't know, go ask your client what she said. <laughs> And here, here's an easy process for an out-of-state, you know, subpoena. Oh, mm -hmm. also, here's the rule on these, uh, you know, tape, pre-taped de depositions. And by the mm -hmm. way, um, you don't need it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, all yeah. right, Katie, take it away. All right. Number three, Mr. Means' motion to disqualify the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare is not supported by law or fact. Three times now, God damn it. Law or fact. Why can't he just have it his way? Right. The declared motion to disqualify the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare is baseless and unsupported by the law. The defendant has been declared incompetent and committed to the custody of Idaho Health and Welfare at the request and on a prior motion of Mr. Means. <laughs> Burn right there. I I think for the rest of this uh, day, I may just call him Karen Means. You know? <laughs> Karen Means, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Except for I don't want to. I, I don't want to offend any Karens watching. That's not fair to, to any you. Karens. <laughs> no, we won't. Okay. Incompetency proceedings in a criminal case in Idaho are governed by statutes. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. If the court determines that the defendant lacks fitness to proceed, the proceeding against him or her shall be suspended except as provided in subsections five and six of this section, and the court shall commit him or her to the custody of the director of the Department of Health and Welfare for a period not exceeding 90 days for care and treatment at an appropriate facility of the Department of Health and Welfare. That's the law, and that's exactly what has happened. Right. The statutes listed above I'll only allow for restoration treatment of the incompetent to be performed by Idaho Health and Welfare. At well, I Idaho mean, Health and Welfare facilities. Can we just say that for the conspiracy yes. theorists that think Lori is still in the jail? Mm -hmm. At Idaho Health and Welfare facilities, that's the law. There are two. Yep. Orofino and Blackfoot. That's it. She yep. has to be in one of them. Yep. While IC 18-211 allows the court to appoint additional experts, that is only in relation to finding, oh, to a finding of competence or incompetence. Right. Nothing in the Idaho Code provides for a disqualification of the Department of Health and Welfare, nor does anything in the Idaho Code provide for an alternate method of restoring competence. In other words, the court can't just decide to pull Lori out of a state hospital 
and plop her into a private facility, the the law doesn't support that. Right. You know, I'll, disqualifying you know, because, the entire yeah. Department of Health and Welfare just isn't possible. No. She, if she's there, she's there. That's it. Whether Mark likes the treatment she's getting there or not, that's the law. Right. Turns out it's not any of his business, to be perfectly honest. No, it's not. By law, the court's sole authority to obtain treatment for restoration of the incompetent lies within its power to commit a defendant to the custody of the director of the Department of Health and Welfare. There is no power of the court to commit a person found unfit to proceed to any other facility. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The declared motions unverified unsubstantiated assertions there they are again yep <laughs> fail to state a cause that necessitates the court's intervention in the daily psychiatric medical and mental health treatment of a person in the custody of Idaho Health and Welfare even if true none of the allegations rise to the level of mistreatment or inappropriate conduct on the part of Idaho Health and Welfare i mean mark is acting like the sky is falling He's acting oh, yeah. like what happened there that a counselor has created, uh, you know, done the most egregious thing possible. And the prosecutor's saying, no, no, they Actually, didn't. No, they even haven't. Even if true. But I love that he keeps going back to that, even if true. There's no proof that any of this is true. No, there None. isn't. But here's the thing I think that we always have to remember is that the basis of this, according to Mark, is that Lori said to the counselor, Maybe Mark wasn't the best attorney for her and supposedly told her to call the LDS church's attorneys. Well, All we of don't this know comes that down for sure. To, we don't well, know if it was Means or Archibald that she's trying to replace. We don't know. Right. But this comes down to Means ego. Yes. And and that's true. We don't know which attorney she was meaning to replace, but just wanting to replace her attorney does imply to him, Mr. Very, very uh, soft and gentle ego, that maybe she doesn't want him to be her attorney anymore. Yeah. And maybe the counselor is saying, do you think he's the right attorney for you? You know, mm -hmm. this is all about getting his ego bruised. It really is. Well, here's the thing. Lori believes that Mark means was her son in a previous life from an right. affair with an angel yes, and has referred to him as her blue-eyed angel baby or her blue-eyed yes. angel boy. How can he really effectively work with her and how can they yeah. rehabilitate her when her blue-eyed angel boy is here to save her? Right. For that reason alone, it's probably inappropriate for him to be on this case because he's a part of her delusions. Right. Most definitely. And he just eats that stuff up. You know, mm -hmm. he's so hardcore bought in. It never seemed to cross his mind that if she told him this story, she's in a psychiatric hospital because she can't tell the difference between reality and her delusions. Mm -hmm. Maybe he should not have just believed her. 
the way that he did? Maybe he just threw his whole career on the floor. Uh, yeah. And you, I don't know if you guys remember when we talked about the brief, you probably do, but it was absolutely full of misspellings. Yeah. Of air quotes galore, man. They were flying off the page. He spelled his co-counsel's name wrong repeatedly, and his name is Archibald. I mean, yeah. that's phonetic. It is. <laughs> it's terrible. Besides the fact that it's also a pretty sucked. common name in this part of Idaho. He probably knows other people named Archibald. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on. Bare assertions, conjecture, and unsubstantiated claims do not support the court taking the drastic and legally questionable action of disqualifying the entire agency charged by Idaho law with Ms. Vallow Daybell's custody and care. The court does not have the authority to micromanage the daily treatment of Ms. Vallow Daybell. The court's concern is with the legal status of a defendant, not on managing complaints about individual staff performance. <laughs> right? Should Mr. Means or Ms. Vallow Daybell have a grievance about an individual staff member or members, the grievance process within the individual institution is available to them. The I'll court is you, not... Because I've worked with the, with the state of Idaho mm -hmm. that they have a very extensive grievance process that mm -hmm. patients can go through if they mm -hmm. have concerns. Mark Means would not be allowed to go through it because he's not a patient, mm -hmm. but she would. She could go through a grievance process if she didn't like her counselor and wanted somebody else. She probably okay. wouldn't even need it. She could probably yeah. just say that and they would assign her to somebody else unless they mm -hmm. thought it was a manipulation, you know? Yeah. Which, uh, this is Lori. Right. Who so. is acting pretty spiffed up and ready to come back to court, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. right. The court <laughs> is not a part of a facility's grievance process. <laughs> this just makes me laugh. This yeah. is like filing something with the Supreme Court because Wendy's got your order wrong. You right. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Further, there is no evidence or even assertion in the motion that the facility itself has somehow disqualified itself. The novel argument, novel, that the alleged actions of one staff member somehow are imputed to an entire facility and to an entire multi-facility statewide department is without merit or legal authority. Beyond the fact, the declared motion's request to disqualify Idaho Health and Welfare has no basis in law or fact, even if Mr. Means was able to pro prove the allegations he made against NC, that was the counselor in question, mm -hmm. disqualifying the entire health and welfare would be a drastic and unreasonable remedy. Beyond not providing any actual evidence of his allegation against NC, Mr. Means has not alleged any wrongdoing on the part of the entire Idaho Health and Welfare, which would require disqualification of an entire department. <laughs> which, good effing luck with that. Yeah. Number four, Mr. Means' unverified, unsupported factual allegations consist of hearsay, highly suspect information, and pure speculation and cannot be proven without the testimony and cross-examination 
of Lori Daybell Vallow. Your honors, he's lying. Yeah. Well, also, (laughs) this is the meat of the matter because Mm -hmm. all of this comes down to her statements. You know, the incompetent person. The declared motion contains several false statements. First, there is no evidence to support the declared motion's assertion that Mr. Wood has ever met, let alone spoken with Daniel McConkie. <laughs> another, Daniel attorney, McConkie. <laughs> yeah, another attorney at Curtin McConkie informed Mr. Wood that the defendant had contacted Daniel McConkie. The conversation regarding this issue lasted approximately one minute and Mr. Wood informed said attorney he would notify the defendant's public defender, you know, Jim Archibald. Mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah. Wood. State-appointed, death public penalty defender. certified public defender. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Wood immediately contacted the defendant's court-appointed counsel and informed him of the information provided. Mr. Wood also informed the court and defense counsel at a hearing shortly thereafter. The state is unaware Wait, hold of... On. Hold on. Yeah. I got to say, it's likely that Means was not at that hearing. Yeah. We haven't Probably actually not. seen him in court in a couple of months. Nope. Not and since this supposedly Archibald happened started in, going. Yeah. So then this supposedly happened in the beginning of October. So it's likely this happened in one of those little closed door you know, meetings that they have during court all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it was laid in front of the court and the, prosec- or the defense. Everybody knew. Yeah. Right there. The state is unaware of any authority creating a duty for attorneys at Curtin McConkie to provide this information to anyone. Further, the state is unaware of any legal or ethical duty that the state had to provide that information to the defense. However, it was provided to both the court and defense counsel as a professional courtesy and out of an abundance of caution. Because, you know, they're professionals, and they yes. have nothing to hide. Right. The apparent lack of due diligence in filing this motion is egregious and, poss- <laughs> and possibly merits sanctions by the court against Mark Means. This is when it's going to get real good, you guys. Mm-hmm. Rather than exercise the due diligence required by the rules of professional conduct, counsel simply makes speculative and extreme allegations in the declared motion. For example, Mr. Means makes and Mr. Means in footnote 10 appears to claim that the court itself is under the complete control of the LDS church. <laughs> Another example is the harsh and unsubstantiated allegations of unethical and possible illegal activities by Mr. McConkie, even though Mr. McConkie was willing to and did speak with Jim Archibald. Mr. Means could have simply called Mr. McConkie himself before making such allegations. Mr. Means' extreme ethical accusations may have now created a situation where Mr. McConkie is not willing to speak with Mr. Means due (laughs) to the defamatory statements. No, bitch. Not talking to you. Right. Mr. (laughs) McConkie had been willing to speak with defense counsel, but given the unsubstantiated accusations, may not now be able to do so. The state has no knowledge as to Mr. McConkie's intention, but Mr. Means, by his own actions, may have limited his ability to obtain the information he is allegedly seeking through the declared motion. 
As further example to the state's knowledge and belief, Mr. Means did not speak with the maligned clinician or her supervisor at the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare before filing his motion to disqualify. Mr. Means in the motion has crossed the line of zealous advocacy and entered into the arena of rank accusation. Made accusations against private individuals, statements about a clinician which could threaten her job, and about an out-of-state attorney who, based on the accusations in the declared motion, did nothing wrong and is now accused of taking actions to manipulate the defendant to be forced and manipulated into making statements against her interest. But wait, how is that a Brady violation? Oh, uh, it isn't. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mr. Means representations and allegations about NC, the clinician and his client are suspect and should be treated as such. At no point does Mr. Means provide a source for this information. As stated above, to the state's knowledge, Mr. Means never spoke with NC about this situation to get her side of the story, nor did he speak with her supervisors at the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare to ask them to investigate. Unless Mr. Means can produce a witness to verify his story, it is inadmissible hearsay. If the story was provided to Mr. Means by his client, it should be discounted due to the reasons for which she has been committed to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. <laughs> Further, <What>? it's a... <laughs> you mean she's incompetent and what she says shouldn't be trusted? Oh, yeah, I forgot. It was my idea to do this in the first place. <laughs> Further, if the facts alleged by Mr. Means came from his client, he has placed his client in a precarious situation by publishing her statements in violation of her constitutional rights and contrary to Rule 1.6 of the Idaho Rules of Professional Conduct. The state specifically asks the court to take notice that the declared motion was signed by Mr. Means under penalty of perjury. He signed pursuant to the words that I certify or declare under penalty of perjury pursuant to the law of the state of Idaho that the foregoing is true and correct. There is no requirement. He oh, swear Marky to Mark, the why? Why? Yeah. There is no requirement that he swear to the contents of the motion. He chose to verify the contents of the motion with his name and signature of his own accord without additional affidavit, witness statements, or documentation. Mr. Means is the sole witness or um, affiant to the accusations therein. Look at it. Mr. Means has made himself a witness. I know. It's so funny. And it's what he always is accusing. He's also, he's always accusing the prosecutor of making himself a witness. Means just made himself a witness, right? Catskills is like, oh, yep. There you go. <laughs> that one was a mic drop. Yes, because so many times, but your honor, he spoke to a witness. Well, that makes him a witness. Remember yeah. when he tried to call the prosecutor to the stand? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's been doing that all along, and he literally just did it to himself with a pack of lies that cannot be proven. 
he is in so much trouble. He surely he did all of this about 4 a.m. with a lot too much whiskey in him. I mean, or something why? else because he why was typing he... real fast. Yeah, he perjured himself. Mm. Oh my gosh. Over and over and made, you know, allegations against people that could have serious consequences. Yeah. Turns out you can't just say this shit, Mark, especially send it to court. Right. Yeah. He sent no documentation, statements of witnesses, nothing other than his own. And that he signed it, certifying it under penalty of perjury when he didn't even have to. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't even required for that declared motion. It's just beyond. I mean, what but wait. There's more. Oh, there is. And this is, yeah, this is the icing on the cake right here. This is where he pops veins in his face. Yes. Mr. Means, continued representation of the defendant is inappropriate and unethical. Have we been saying it for over a year? Yes. Mr. Means has an unwaivable and unethical conflict of interest Due to his past dual representation of both Lori Vallow Daybell and her co-conspirator, co-defendant Chad Guy Daybell, in regards to the subject matter on this case. Now, to be fair, they have argued this before, and the judge said he thought it was fine. Yes. But well, they well, clearly are objecting to it if, once again. He asked Chad and Lori if it was okay with them, and they both said okay. Mm-hmm. So... Mr. Means' continued involvement in this case is inappropriate and creates issues for appeal. And see, that's what we've all been saying. Yeah. Is Lori going to get an appeal or a mistrial because she had poor representation? Right. An inquiry into this conflict must be held in this case and a knowing and intelligent waiver of conflict on the part of the defendant must be made in order for Mr. Means to ethically represent Vallow Daybell. Now, listen... Knowing an intelligent waiver of conflict, which she could not give while she is in the hospital. No. However, an inquiry and waiver cannot occur. Oh, well, okay. Mm. He took the words mm -hmm. right out of my mouth. Mm. <laughs> an inquiry and waiver cannot occur due to the defendant's restoration or restoration commitment and related stay of the case. Further, any waiver, even if knowing and intelligent, should be rejected by the court. An incompetent defendant should not be presumed to have waived constitutional rights to conflict-free counsel, especially when said counsel appears willing to publicize private statements of the defendant. At a minimum, Mr. Means should be precluded from filing. This is great. It's sad mm -hmm. for us. Mr. Means should be precluded from filing any other documents in this case that are unsigned by his co-counsel until such time as the court can engage an inquiry with the defendant regarding the conflict of interest. And then the conclusion, the declared motion should be denied without hearing as a matter of fact. The law does not provide the court the authority or jurisdiction to award any remedy requested in the declared motion. Even if the law did allow for such remedies, the declared motion provides no evidence or even allegations which support said remedies. Mr. Means has relied on spurious facts, hearsay, and possible violations of his own client's rights to make the allegations. 
The state requests that counsel means be sanctioned by the court, ordering all motions filed on behalf of defendant Lori Vallo Daybell be signed by both counsel for the defendant until such time as the defendant is deemed competent and by any other remedies and sanctions the court deems appropriate. <laughs> the end. Boom. Yeah. Well, and any other remedies and sanctions the court deems appropriate. I mean, it, is he going to sanction means, you know, where is this going to go? This was an enormous error on means part. When he tried to get the prosecutor thrown off the case, that was an enormous error on his part. Mm -hmm. When he went to court to try to get Lori's bail reduced and argued for two and a half hours that the prosecutor was being mean to him was a huge mistake on his part. But this is the biggest. Well, this is huge. The, the accusations that he's made are, um, you know, in some cases actually criminal. They are career ending mm -hmm. with no evidence. This mm -hmm. is just like anybody could make these allegations about somebody, but you cannot show up in court with something mm -hmm. like this and think it's going to fly. He is an attorney. He has ethics and mm -hmm. there are rules of conduct and he has broken all of them. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Entirely. Not to mention the fact that he has repeatedly jeopardized his client's legal rights and her case. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it comes right down to it, he's Lori's attorney. His job is to defend her. And he has done none of those things. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So I went to Twitter. I'm just always curious because he has tweeted some real gems in the past. Yeah. Uh, yesterday he was posting. He's he tweets about sports quite a bit and his political mm -hmm. ideologies, but, um, and so he was posting about LSU. He was posting, I don't know. I'm not even sure what this other post was about, but it was sports related. Mm -hmm. Then he posted, he reshared an article uh, about a prosecutor who pleads guilty and resigns as jury deliberates in their case. Mark means own wet dream. Yeah. He cannot quit. He cannot quit. Mm -hmm. This was in Columbus. And it was an attorney that pled guilty to several charges stemming from improper acts while in office and agreeing to resign. Wow. It's just, he's... He just can't quit. He can't. It is mm -hmm. all about him and his ego and has been this whole time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just weird because this is his first criminal case. So beyond this case, he couldn't have a beef with Rob Wood, could he? Probably not. You know, I like it literally just stems from this case. But yeah, no, if he's all bought into he Lori, treats every other attorney this way. I think he sees yeah. every other attorney that he's going up against as the enemy and yeah. that he goes out of his way to treat them in this manner. I don't think this is new. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but at no point was this ever really about his client. I mean, no. he's making that painfully clear mm -hmm. yet again. Yep. Wow. So we'll see how the court responds. There is court on Thursday morning. We'll be here for it. We don't know if any of it will be televised or, or, or streamed because, uh, basically means and, uh, prior are both demanding that it be public and the 
you know, the, the. Well, but is that this can't Because be. that's court for Chad, isn't it? It is. Hold isn't on. Isn't it to set the, uh, the uh, date for trial? Yeah, but I thought they, let me look at the brief. Cause I thought they said they were going to continue to discuss. Because the judge shot down for now the mm-hmm. um, the prosecutor's request to review the cost difference between sequestering a jury from out of the area and bringing them in versus everybody traveling to Ada County for this trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the judge shot that down because it just isn't the right time for it. We're a long ways from that issue. Right. For some reason, I thought they were talking about that on Thursday. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought that was just try a hearing for Chad. And yeah. so this wouldn't be reviewed when it was a hearing for Chad. So Maybe I don't it know. Is. So we'll be here for it. We're, we're not entirely sure. They yeah. had vacated part of it. And that's what I'm a little confused about, I think. But right. at any rate, that is, uh, yeah, that's coming up. Let's see. I didn't even tell you what time. It is nine. on. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't it at Nine Mountain? I I think it is. Yeah, I just wanted to double check. God, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at the wrong form completely. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I have in my schedule, but I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you hear otherwise from us, plan on it being at nine. I know I saw it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking at. Oh, December 2nd. Oh, it, hmm, unless it's changed, the first brief says it's at 1. Oh, okay. Maybe it's changed. Well, I find think out when it was sure. set originally, it was at 9, but a lot has happened since then. Well, this was the original uh, brief uh, that came out in October scheduling this. Oh, okay. Well, actually, 1 is way better for me. So, And it says notices hereby give. This is why I thought they were talking about it. Notice is hereby given that the defendant, by through his counsel, and this was to John Pryor, mm-hmm. shall bring forth in his motion for discovery concerning events that were revealed in Lori Vallow's motion dated October 27th. Right. That was John Pryor. But did the did the judge decide to do it? Hmm. Hmm. I have no idea. Well, I, I don't know. Now I'm confused about what I'm seeing. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Yeah. Well, we're here for it. Whatever it is, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're not sure. Nine or one. We'll find out for sure. We'll post on Facebook. Well, maybe in the comments here and let you know for sure. Because, yeah. Yeah. That says one. We've heard uh, otherwise nine. I don't know why I can't see what I need to see here, but whatever. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Right? There's a lot going on. Figure it out. Yeah. Yes, we will. (laughs) I just hope that brought a little uh a little glee to some of you that have been following this all along and know (laughs) what kind of bullshit Mark Means can lay down. Um, I have never seen the I've never seen a prosecutor take down a defense attorney like that ever in a in a written form. Yeah. All right. So this this last brief doesn't say what time. Oh, okay. Well, that's super helpful. Yeah. 
yeah. So at any rate, we'll, we'll wait to uh, see, but yeah. Right. Oh, wait. Okay. I found it. Oh. Sorry, you guys. Ridiculous. <laughs> so the motion to allow additional evidence was at nine. Okay. And that's the what got vacated. The motion for discovery concerning events is at one thirty, and the scheduling conference is at 2.30. Oh, okay. So the motion to allow additional evidence has been thrown out. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, we knew that. But as far as we know, the motion for discovery of concerning offense still stands, as does the scheduling conference. So we're going to assume then at 1.30 Mountain Time on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. I am here for all of it. Yep, me too. Yep. All righty. Well, there you go. So we'll be back <laughs> in the says, morning. Well, it's about time they tell him he is nuts. You are right. correct, Jessica. Yes, it Someone is. Someone needs to. <laughs> We'll be back at nine or we'll be back in the morning with uh, our third case of the week. And it is a truly true crime paranormal case. We're yes, very excited is. about it. We'll be back tomorrow night, Wednesday night uh, with case updates at seven. And then we'll be back for the psychic hour on Thursday night at seven. And it is marching orders this week. So we're yes, excited for is. that. Yeah. It's already going to be December. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So Crazy. lots going down. All righty, you guys, thank you so much for being here. This has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, everybody.